This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Live and local in the morning from 6 to 9, covering all of your favorite teams with analysis and opinions to carry you through the morning on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. We want to hear from you. Tweet slash X us at the Blitz 1170 or the text line is always open at 918-262-5072. Now, it's time for the Morning Blitz. Here's Rick Corey. Good Wednesday morning. How you doing? It is here. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. It is almost time for another college football weekend. And, of course, high school and professional football as well right here on the Blitz 1170. And, of course, that means Oklahoma, Texas. That means a lot of people are going to be heading down uh, 35 and 75 to get down to Dallas in the next couple of days. You know, this time last year, Scott File, who's in the other, uh, other studio, we uh, talked to the folks at the Dallas Visitors and Convention Bureau about some of the other things to do down there. Not that Oklahoma fans have not been there before, but if it's been a while, if you haven't been to this game in a while, and this one's a little bigger than most, then uh, we might get back into some of that one as well. All right, so this is a Wednesday, as we said. We had news conferences yesterday, including uh, Brent Venables. And, you know, as I was listening, I was just telling Scott, as I was listening through it, um, Coach Venables is very careful to not ever give anybody bulletin board material. And also when you ask him about Texas, he's very complimentary and says nothing. <laughs> Scott, absolutely nothing. You know, on paper, they're really good. And, you know, they put 700 yards almost against Kansas. And, boy, they're efficient with the ball. And they really schemed well. And somebody even asked him in the, in the news conference, he said, hey, take a deep dive into why they're so good offensively. And it was, well, they're schemed really well, and they've got good players. And that was, <laughs> that was really about the uh, that's really about what you got. We'll hear a little bit from him today uh, as he prepares. But this is uh, this is not a week, Scott, when you want bulletin board material because it's not like you don't already have enough. Absolutely not. You don't want to add any other fuel to the fire this week of all weeks, yep. especially this year with everything that's on the line. Well, and like I said, it's already there anyway. I mean, you know, you've got the Baker Mayfield saying you hate Texas, and you've got, you know, we had the, the sound bite from Barry Switzer yesterday. <laughs> and, you know, both sides have that, and both sides want that. And with what's at stake, you know, the rankings as they are, as high as they are for the first time in a while, then this has a chance to be an absolute nightmare and fun at the same time. It's going to be an interesting Friday night in Dallas, just, just put it like that. I cannot imagine, if, you know, if they put you know what? How, how many are they going to put in there? Eighty thousand? Yeah, yeah, something in that range, right? So you put something in that range in the stadium, seventy to eighty grand. How many people are still going to be outside? And I don't just mean at the state fair. I mean somewhere outside in the parking lot, watching it, or in the area watching it. How many people will go down there just to be a part of what goes on, say Thursday, Friday, Saturday? during the morning, and then just not even go to the game. I would imagine there'll be more people doing that, Scott, than there will be actually in the stadium. Oh, yeah, because there are, there are TV monitors, big screens all nope, over the place. God, yeah. So, yeah. Yep, and you can just imagine and some part of that. And part of what makes OU Texas special, we talked about yesterday, is just the atmosphere and everything surrounding the game yeah the game oh, itself yeah. is huge but everything around the game is also huge yeah it would be fun you know you hear players and coaches talk about coming out of that tunnel and you half that stadium's red and half that stadium's orange and it's a delineated line my friend <laughs> there's not much in there if you're not wearing one of those two colors 
it might be best just to make sure you buy something on the way in because there's not going to be a lot of folks who aren't, and they will know who you are right away. It's going to be fun. There's no question it's going to be fun. So we'll hear a little bit from Coach Venables today about that, and we'll talk more about it too, of course. Uh, here's our lineup for today as we roll into a Wednesday. We're going to move the Saints sports history up a little bit to 6.30, just after 6.30 with Scott. We'll have Josh Blankenship, the head football coach at Broken Air, with us as we do on Wednesdays at 6.50. And the reason we're moving Scott away from the 710 where we normally put him today is Mike Malega is going to be here in studio. And the news broke yesterday afternoon the Tulsa Drillers are being sold. And I, I don't know about you, Scott, but when I first saw it, I panicked. Because a lot of times when minor league teams are sold, that also means minor league teams get moved. Especially with the restructuring that MLB yep. did a couple of years ago with the whole minor league system. Yep. And in the, despite the fact of one oak, despite the crowds, despite how well it's run, and everything there, once somebody buys something, it's their toy box. And so you, you first thing you look at being sold to who, to who, to who, to who. You know, <laughs> I mean, there was a time, yes, Tulsa was not really, you know, back when A. Ray Smith moved the AAA franchise to Louisville, Tulsa had a stadium problem. And that's not a problem now. But if you live through that. And they don't have an attendance problem no. either. They just led the Texas right. League in attendance. Yeah, and if you, but if you live through that, and I did, and you lose your AAA team, and suddenly you have no baseball for a while, then as soon as you hear the word, your team is sold, you get a little concerned. Well, it turns out they're being sold to a group who owns a bunch of other minor league franchises and is not planning to move it. Mike Malega will remain as the GM of the Drillers, and Mike's going to be with us this morning at 710 to explain it. <laughs> when I texted him, Scott, the response was 710. Man, that's early. And I said, no, no, 6'10's early. 7'10's <laughs> not so bad. So Mike's going to come across the street today. At 7'30, Wyatt Thompson, he's the Kansas State play-by-play -play voice. Big, big game between the Cowboys and the Wildcats. We'll get into that one. Of course, you'll hear that game here on the Blitz 1170. And at 8.30, Jacob Seuss, our 5 News Fayetteville, Arkansas insider. Well, you know, we, again, as we've talked about all year, what's happening at Arkansas? Sam Pittman didn't suddenly just get dumb. He didn't forget how to coach in a year. K.J. Jefferson can still play. What in the world is happening with the Hogs? Now, they ran into what is a better-than-I-think-we-anticipated A&M team, and that had something to do with it. But that, that Arkansas football team outside the first quarter just didn't move the ball. Now, there were adjustments made. Maybe that's part of it. We'll ask Jacob about what it's been like over there. So it's been a busy time. Plus, we had uh, round one last night, Major League Baseball. We had, uh, we had some pretty good games out there last night, too, in the wild card series. Texas beat Tampa 4 nothing. Twins beat Toronto 3-1. Diamondbacks beat the Brewers 6-3. And the Phillies beat uh, Miami 4-1. A couple of really good performances there we'll talk about. There's some proposed changes to NIL rules. And although they're not big changes, they're probably things that needed to happen. So those are some of the things we're covering here today on the Blitz 1170. Some of the folks we're going to have with us. What is striking you, Scott File, this morning over in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio? Well, I was watching baseball pretty much all day yesterday afternoon and evening so um great series good to see the twins break the 18, 18 game, game postseason losing streak longest in north american professional sports history mm -hmm. uh tough loss for my brewers but uh you know game two for all four series today we'll see what happens and that's the series could all end today it's not likely they, but could. they all could and the brewers were up three nothing so you had to be feeling pretty good and then suddenly bing 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 here we go and you, you mentioned the twins and that 18 game streak they had a couple of home runs from royce lewis that helped them an awful lot yeah he uh, pretty much beat them by yeah. himself <laughs> and then texas jordan montgomery was really good last night on the mound for texas seven innings last night he sat 14 of the last 16 guys he faced 
That is strong. That is just downright strong. And once uh, again, Tampa proves why the Rays need to move. Now I'll give I'll nobody give Tampa, yet nineteen thousand. Yeah, I'll give Tampa a little bit of, of of the benefit of the doubt. It was a Tuesday afternoon in the middle of the afternoon, but still, it's a major metropolitan area. It's a playoff game, and you've done something that hasn't been done in a hundred and four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and it's not honestly that hard to get over there. I mean, if you work in downtown Tampa, you're not that far from Trop. And although it is not, it's it's across the bay, but it's not a hard trip to get over there across the bay to where it is. So I really don't buy the, you know, well, we just couldn't get there thing. I just don't know that, this, that the area cares. Now, I've been to Tampa a lot to broadcast college games, and I don't get that the, the, the franchise or the city cares about anything other than the Bucks. And I'm not sure they care about the, well, they, they might care a little bit about them. They're pretty good hockey fans. Uh, but I, I don't know if they care about anything else other than the Bucks and, and a little bit of hockey. Uh, past that, I've never felt any any real passion for college football there. Of course, South Florida has not been great, but I've just never felt any of that for anything else. I just I don't I don't see it. But where are you going to move them? Oklahoma City. <laughs> I'm uh, just throwing it out there. Well, Tommy Lasorda threw out Oklahoma City when he was here in yep. Tulsa a couple of years ago before yep. he passed away. So. Uh, you know, Nashville's always the hot yeah, one. it is. Uh, Portland, too. That's a name that gets thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Tampa to Portland. Oof, man, that's a long that's, that's a long drive. But at any rate, we'll see if the Rangers can close them out today. Uh, and the Phillies were just good. They just they just they just mauled Marlon. And Zach Weaver took a shutout into the seventh in that one last night. So all those could end as of today. Pretty good baseball series as well. All that coming up today, right here on the Blitz eleven seventy. And telling you too, we have some tickets to see the Thunder and the Pistons on the nineteenth at the BOK Center. So we're going to give those away for you. Plus, remember today at eight o'clock, so just under two hours from now we're going to honor the best in oklahoma high school football it's the athlete of the week presented by blue cross and blue shield of oklahoma we'll do it here at eight o'clock on the blitz 1170 610 on the blitz 1170 he's scott file i'm rick Corey. all right let's get a little brent venables when we come back see what the head football coach at oklahoma has to say about texas he actually started his news conference by saying hey you guys might actually want to talk about this week's opponent to be honest everybody usually asks about this week's a little bit but it's also a review of last week but brent's ready We'll get a little from him coming back here on the Blitz 1170. It's at 617 here on the Blitz 1170. It's a Wednesday drive to work. 72 degrees, that's your start. A little cooler today than it has been the last couple of days. Matter of fact, we might get a little bit of rain here today. Recording Scott File in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Speaking of the Oilers, I saw a, a promo for the new building and what they're getting done over at Promenade. And, of course, that, there's been good and bad news over there as the mall itself has actually finally gone the way of the dodo bird. Uh, although we are not terribly surprised that was going to happen, but I saw a couple of promos for the new grill going in and some quotes from Andy uh, about that. We're not that far away from supposedly having that thing open and ready to yeah, roll. Yeah, it's got to be right around a corner. Didn't they say October, November? So I think they said November in that case. Now, having said that, almost always there's some kind of, you know, yeah. something happens when you're talking about construction, and I get that. I really do. So, I mean, but but it should be sometime late this year, and, and we've told Andy, hey, we, wanna, we certainly want to broadcast them over there that first morning and uh, kind of get a first-hand look around inside what's going to be like. And now the question is, what happens with the rest of it? You know, obviously there are a couple of anchor things there, if you will. The Oilers are going to be one of those. Otherwise, you've got a big shell sitting there that's got the big P word on it, potential, 
written all over it. it you've got to get past the history because it's just like a restaurant. If something's been something five times and it's failed four times, that fifth guy's going to have a hard time making a go of it because eventually it just kind of happens that that building, for whatever reason. It's cursed. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's weird, though. I mean, haven't you known those? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I can think of a couple right now in Tulsa, and I, I don't want to actually say them because I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody who's there right now to think, well, that's it. You threw us under the bus. You know, but there are some places where you drive by and, oh, look, that's this this week. Oh, hey, next week, that's that, you know. And you wonder, because the place has been so kind of abandoned for, I say, say abandoned, there, when was the last time you were in the mall itself at Promenade? Mm, almost yes, probably me 10 years <laughs> i mean me i wasn't quite 10 but in fairness <clears throat> like for the longest time woodland was closer for me so like i would just go to woodland so in fairness if i lived closer to promenade i probably would have went more but i just yeah. i just don't go to malls i mean i, I just don't i mean in this in this amazon day and age or whatever uh, i just i don't I, you know something's not always just a convenience guy because there are times I think convenience places overcharge. <laughs> and so I won't do that at times. But I'm not a guy who runs to the mall. Now, I like going at Christmas because I kind of like the atmosphere. I like the... I just like it. I, I like the whole part of it. I even like the stress on the faces <laughs> that you'll sometimes see. Uh, so I just haven't. But uh, the last time I was in there probably five, six years ago, I was looking for something specific. And it just the low ceilings, and it was dark, and there wasn't a lot of people there, and it didn't like it was really well kept. Well, you do that for a while. Now, you're going to have a hard time. That's what's in your mind. Again, it's the same thing with a restaurant. If one wasn't good, if you go back to the very same building, and you're going to have a hard time getting over the mental part of last time I was here, it wasn't good. And even if it's back of mind, my whole point is I wonder what it takes to bring that out. I mean, I, I think, first of all, you're going to have to redesign that building a little bit. You've got to get rid of those low ceilings. It's got to have some light. It's got to be open. Everything you ever see today is all about open and open concepts, mm -hmm. whether it's housing or whatever. That's got to happen. But I would just love to see something else kind of pop over there for the Oilers to see that whole thing kind of take off again. And they could be the catalyst for that. No question. You know, as we said before, turn the whole thing into some kind of physical or health thing. You know, you already have a health club there, you know, a workout facility. Now you got the Oilers there. You know, you put PTB businesses in there, you know, I mean, things like cast businesses, doctor's offices, whatever, and just make the whole thing kind of like that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that might not work. I mean, who knows? I'm just trying to spitball some good ideas because as a city, you want that to be a revenue generator. And that's a high traffic area, too. Huge still. Yeah. As a matter of fact, at one time, now 51st and Memorial and 61st and Memorial and 71st and Memorial have traditionally been over the last, I think, 30 years, the busiest intersections in Tulsa. Uh, but that area there has always been a generator, yeah, at 41st and Yale when it comes to, you know, overall overall cash. So I'm sure you'd like to have something there pretty quick. All right, all that to say that the Oilers are pretty close to opening up. <laughs> and right? they opened training camp on Monday. Yes, 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 yes. And they had another signing yesterday, too. Uh, we had some recruiting news, too. Oklahoma got a commitment from a 2026 four-star running back named Jonathan Hatton about 19 hours ago. I know, 2026, what are we doing? Well, you have to. I mean, you got to go out and you got to talk to these guys. You got to start. You know, if you don't get a guy, if you're not on a guy who's a superstar, when he's a ninth grader, you can't win. I mean, literally. Because there, how many times have you heard players say, well, they were the first to talk to me and they kept talking? Whether you, you know, if you're not the first guy there, and let's say that Oklahoma and Texas are both after a guy. 
Well, if Oklahoma talked to him an hour, a year before Texas did and, and stayed with him, there does create some kind of loyalty there. Now it's not going to overcome if you go on campus and you like another place better. But having said that, you might think, well, that's silly. He's 2026. Look, you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? And who knows? A lot can change in two and a half years. Oh, but. well, yeah, obviously. But 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 if you've got the kids' verbal commitment to begin with, at least you got to start. And they did from a 2026 four-star running back named Jonathan Hatton, just FYI. All right, let's just get a little bit from Brent Venables yesterday. And I mentioned he actually started his news conference by talking a little bit about um, – <laughs> how he thinks this week people actually might care about more than just, hey, what happened last week? Here's a little bit of Brent. Uh, this is probably the first week of the season that you all want to actually talk about this week's opponent. Uh, I would expect we've got a bunch of uh, Texas questions, and uh, but excited about where we're at right now. Um, we're making incremental improvement uh, every week, and we've become more efficient in all the areas that we really focused on in the out-of-season Players have worked incredibly hard. Uh, again, I like the, the team from a leadership, uh, very hungry. They're not easily satisfied. Uh, they've got great humility, great self-awareness, and where we need to get better, which there's places in all three phases of, of you know our program that we've got to get better uh, from an offensive, defense, and a special team standpoint. But relatively healthy. Um, you know, other than the, the players that we've already uh, talked about the last couple of weeks that uh, we've lost for the season. And uh, going to be, again, a wonderful environment uh, against a really uh, talented, uh, hot Texas team uh, on film. They play uh, their best when they're, they're playing really good people. And that's uh, Texas has always uh, risen to the occasion uh, and done so. But uh, coming off a you know, really good, strong game last week against Kansas, uh, where they had almost 700 yards of offense, and uh, uh, really were unstoppable. And uh, they've been outstanding in all the the areas. You you peel it back, whether that's rush defense or pass defense or scoring defense or red zone defense. Uh, if that's offensively, uh, how efficient that they've been. They've got you know incredible weapons at the skill position. Uh, you know, they lost some great backs last year, and, and they've obviously shown they've really recruited well. Uh, Brooks is, is one of a number of their backs that you know, is running really, really well. Uh, Worthy, Mitchell, Sanders, uh, amongst others, uh, are just some you know, really incredibly talented uh, players. Uh, Ewers, is, uh, he's a true freshman last year, played pretty dang good, and uh, is playing at a really high level. Obviously, against uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, threw for uh, just south of 350 yards, and and uh, was the national uh, player of the week. So uh, again, we got a we got a great great challenge. Uh, you know, they're spearheaded on defense by Jalen Ford, as good of a linebacker that's out there in college football, and uh, special teams have been really uh, strong for them. But again, I like where we're at as well. Um, you know, I want to see where we're at. You know, we, if you want to continue to improve and create change, uh, we're certainly not where we want to be in, by, in any way, shape, or form. Can't forget to celebrate successes along the way, but always keep the right uh, perspective about what, you know, lies ahead and, you know, what your objectives and goals and uh, hopes are. And uh, so, again, as we said um, a number of times, we've got a lot of work to do, but. Our, our guys have, have done a lot of things uh, really well. did want to mention, you know, Dylan, 
who, who's been outstanding this year. He's one of six FBS players since the start of the 96 seasons to complete at least 75% uh, percent of his passes through the first five games of the season while also throwing for 15 touchdowns with two or few, fewer uh, interceptions. And he's done a great job. We've had 14 different players offensively that have caught touchdowns this year. So speaks to you know the depth that you know we're developing at a variety of the, the skill positions uh, as well. And, uh, and then, again, something that uh, we've done a great job of as a team is we've taken care of the football and we've created uh, you know, uh, several turnovers at being plus eight in the turnover margin. Uh, and, and again, our guys are, uh, you know, working incredibly hard, as I said, but, uh, they know that we've, we've left a lot out on the table as well. So I, I really like where we're at mentally. Um, but again, recognize the, uh, excitement and all the, uh, things that go along with p playing down, uh, in the cotton bowl, uh, for us, you know, our, you know, our vision is, uh, you know, if we're fortunate enough to win the game. Uh, we'll be six and zero, and going into a bye week with uh, back half of a season to go, and uh, still a lot of work to do. And if for some reason you know it doesn't uh, work out the way we want it to, uh, we're still going to go to the bye week, and we still got the back half of the season to attack and continue to improve and get better. It's just a little bit of that, and, and, and you know, as I said before, he didn't say a ton. He's not going to throw out a lot of bulletin board material. However, a couple things he said there are that really jump out at you. Fourteen different people have caught touchdown passes. Fourteen. Can you think there's another team in America with fourteen people who have caught t touchdown passes? I'd be hard pressed to believe that. No, it's impressive if you complete balls to fourteen different guys. That's impressive. I mean, you've normally got a guy or two, right? You're going to throw some out to your running back occasionally. Your tight end might get a couple of catches. But if you get 14 guys in a game who have a touch, that's pretty ridiculous. So having 14. So in a way, Scott, the fact that Oklahoma doesn't have the one guy might actually be a, hu a huge advantage. You don't know who to cover at that moment. You know, Drake Stoops is always going to get catches near the goal line. Now Nick Anderson's become a long threat guy. I mean, there's so many different guys to cover. Maybe that's actually helped. And, you know, something that ran through my mind, he's talking about, you know, we win this one, we're 6-0 going to a bye week. Well, we all know they're unbeaten, certainly, because we follow the scores. Who, before the season, had Oklahoma goes to the bye week unbeaten? After not last many, year. Not many, because most people had them, uh, you know, 5-1. and one. More than likely, yes. Yeah, most people had them at 5-1. and one. And, and look, we're still not there. Still got to get there, right? Still got to go beat Texas to get there to go to the – but if they go 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, I know a lot of people didn't have them 5-1 and one going in. The, 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 after last year, you know, in the defensive lapses last year, I know people who thought that, you know, this would be another one of those kinds of years. As I told you, I, you know, the guy that, you know, found out what I did for a living right before the season. Yeah, I don't think Rand Venable is going to get it done. You know, there was a lot of that going around. Now, suddenly, uh, I say suddenly, things have changed. Not that it really has is sudden. I just wonder how much support there is now. How much suddenly, oh, my gosh, the, the rest of it's out the window. We forgot all about last year, and now suddenly we knew this was going to happen all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what? Now, you can text me right now, 918-262-5072. If, if you're that one who predicted 6-0 and at the, at the uh, bye week, then let me know, 918-262-5072. Or realistically, 
where did you think they would be at the bye week? Because right now, they are absolutely rolling. All right, when we come back from this break, we'll have this day in sports history with Scott. Coming up at 6.50, Josh Blankenship, head football coach at Broken Arrow. And you heard the news, Tulsa Drillers being sold. Well, we're going to have the guy who runs that franchise right here in the studio with us in 40 minutes. That is Mike Malega, the general manager of the Drillers, right here with us at about 7.10. You know, this is a really important weekend for the Cowboys, and it's kind of getting a little bit lost by what's happening at OU Texas because there is so much at stake in that one. But we'd love to have some Cowboy thoughts here as well. We had some Mike Gundy yesterday, got a little bit here today from Brent Venables. Also, Kevin Wilson's news conference was yesterday as Tulsa heads down to Florida Atlantic to play a game that's important for them. You win that one, go 4-2, and and your chances of being bowl eligible go up greatly. And after what was a... Forgettable season for everybody last year, Scott. We are on the verge, possibly, of a couple of really good things. If Oklahoma State could pull off this one at home, you got a big crowd Friday night. You got a, a sellout on blackout night. They pull that one off. Tulsa can get that win, and Oklahoma gets that win. If all three can win this weekend, you got some. You might have a little momentum shift here. Oh, absolutely. And you know, for two of the teams, TU and Oklahoma State, it was a little bit of a bumpy ride the last couple of weeks, although. TU's wasn't really that unexpected. You knew you were going to have uphill battles going against Washington and OU. But, but you got two wins after. And But, the, you know, it's amazing. The Last week, last Monday, when, when Kevin Wilson has press conference before the Temple game, he mentioned how big of an opportunity mm-hmm. playing on Thursday night was. And now you, you see the last couple of days after that Temple win, TU has gotten a lot of positive national news kevin wilson was right on the right on the mark and you know going into this week now so you had a little extra time to prepare for a longer road trip after the road trip you have your bye before your next thursday and then that next thursday so that doesn't create a short week really mm-hmm. and then you end up with more time after that again so if you look at those thursdays and i'm not a thursday fan but if you look at those games they were pretty brilliantly set up the way that the way it's set now you don't always have complete control over that but somebody had a little influence in the way that works if you're looking at what's happening over there you know if you're one of those it's always dispatched them ah, it's just tulsa might want to look at what Kevin Wilson's doing. Am I am I saying they're going to go to the playoffs? No, I'm not. But I'm telling you that's that team is improved. They were improved the the just really almost a week after the dude walked in the door. Uh, the attention to detail is different. The pace is different. And I'm telling you, I see it in players' faces. I was going to say the vibe and attitude has mm-hmm. has changed. Absolutely, and 100%. Yeah, there is more of a but I really don't want to disparage the old staff. I liked those guys. But I didn't always agree with how they coached. Uh, and, and as you stand, as it stands here now, uh, these guys, uh, we're just, it's different. Uh, I'll just say it's different. I think the players feel that difference, as Scott just said as well. 641 on the Blitz 1170. In a few minutes, Josh Blankenship to talk a little high school football. We'll take your questions if you have them for Josh at 918-262-5072. We'll take a look around sports after Scott's finished, but let's him get, uh, let's let him kind of warm up and get rolling right here. Scott File has so many things filed away in his brain, he has to let some of it out to keep his head from exploding. He lets it out once a day with This Day in Sports History on the Blitz 1170. Seriously, the dude is like the History Channel, the rain man of sports trivia. Lots of World Series news today, not surprising since it is October 4th, but we're going to start with football, specifically the Canadian Football League, when in 1873... The Toronto Argonauts Football Club forms as the Argonaut Rowing Club Rugby Football Squad. There's a little bit of a tongue twister there. It's the oldest existing pro sports team in North America still using its original name. 
1895, the first U.S. Open men's golf tournament at Newport Golf Club. Englishman Horace Rollins wins the first ever event, beats Willie Dunn of Scotland by two strokes. 1906, the Chicago Cubs win their 116th game of the 152-game season. That's a winning percentage of 763. That has not been matched since. 1922, for the first time, the entire World Series will be broadcast over the radio. Writer Grantland Rice does the announcing of the New York Giants-New York Yankees series for station WJZ in Newark, New Jersey, whose signal is then relayed to WGY in Schenectady, New York. 1924, New York Giants third baseman Freddie Lindstrom at the age of 18 years, 10 months, is the youngest to ever play in a World Series. President Calvin Coolidge, among the 35,000 on, on hand who jammed the stands for Game 1 of the World Series in Washington, D.C., Walter Johnson of the Senators loses his World Series debut 4-3 in 12 innings. Six years later, in 1930 in the World Series, we have the opposite side of the spectrum when Bill Hallahan of the St. Louis Cardinals blanks the Philadelphia Athletics 5-0. Jack Quinn, at the age of 46, pitches two innings of relief against the Cardinals. And he becomes the oldest player to ever appear in a World Series game. 1939, the World Series begins at Yankee Stadium with the Cincinnati Reds playing their first series since the infamous 1919 matchup against the Chicago White Sox. With the Yankees as heavy favorites, the game tied 1-1 until the bottom of the ninth when Yankees catcher Bill Dickey singles home the winning run. 1944, the only All-St. Louis World Series opens with the Browns as a visiting team, beating the Cardinals on George McQuinn's home run 2-1. Denny Galehouse, the winning pitcher, and Mort Cooper, the loser, despite allowing just two hits. 1951, in the opening game of the World Series, Monty Irvin steals home in the first inning and collects four hits, and the New York Giants defeat former OSU great Allie Reynolds and the New York Yankees 5-1. 1953, in Game 5 of the World Series, Mickey Mantle hits a grand slam off Russ Meyer, and the Yankees hold on to win 11-7 over the Brooklyn Dodgers. 1959, the first World Series game is played west of St. Louis at home. The Los Angeles Dodgers beat the Chicago White Sox 3-1 behind the pitching of Don Drysdale and Larry Sherry in Game 2 of the World Series. Carl Farillo's pinch at home two-run single in the seventh inning is the difference. The attendance of 92,000 sets a new World Series mark. Also in 59, future Pro Football Hall of Fame running back Jim Brown sets a club record 37 rushing attempts in the Cleveland Browns 34-7 win at Chicago Cardinals. 1969, Major League Baseball holds its first league championship games. The NLCS features the New York Mets as they beat the Braves 9-5. The Orioles beat the Twins 4-3 in the American League Championship Series Game 1. 1972, Yankees pitcher Larry Gowell hits a double in his only Major League at bat. And this is the last hit by an American League pitcher before the league adopts the DH rule the following year in 1973. The Yankees lose the Milwaukee Brewers 1-0. Also in 72, Ted Williams manages his final game as the Texas Rangers lose to the Kansas City Royals 4-0 in the last game played at Municipal Stadium. Williams will be replaced by Whitey Herzog. 1986, New York Yankees closer Dave Rigetti saves both doubleheader games at Fenway Park for 5-3 and 3-1 wins against Boston. MLB uh, Rigetti sets an MLB record 46 saves. 1987, it's the first scab Sunday of NFL football with replacement players as a result of players' strike. Of course, this was chiefly related to the expiration of the 1982 collective bargaining agreement. Players returned, though, on April 15th. 1992, Miami's Luis Oliver returns an interception 
for a record-tying 103 yards for a touchdown against Buffalo that ties the mark set by Vincey Glenn against Denver on November 29, 1987. 2001, Ricky Henderson of the Padres hits a home run to become the Major League Baseball all-time career run scored leader with 2,246 as San Diego beats the Dodgers 6-3. Also in 2001, Tim Raines plays left field and his son Tim Jr. plays center as the Orioles 5-4 loss to Boston. They become the second father-son duo to play in the same game, matching the feet set turn, uh, matching the feet turned by Ken Griffey Sr. and son Ken Jr., for the Seattle Mariners. And finally, in 2018, New England's Tom Brady becomes only the third NFL quarterback to record 500 career touchdown passes as he connects with Josh Gordon in the Patriots' 38-24 win over the Colts at Foxborough. Happy birthday today to former Major League Manager Tony La Russa. He turns 79. Former Lakers and Suns forward A.C. Green is 60. And Grizzlies guard Derek Rose is 35 today. And that's a look at this day in sports history. 647 on the Blitz 1170. In a few minutes, we'll talk to Josh Blankenship, head football coach at Broken Arrow. First of all, let's take a look around sports, shall we? Are you still a Netflix subscriber? Ever were you, uh, Scott File? Uh, yes, we have Netflix. Yes. Yeah, well, after the SAG after actor strike is completely resolved, they're about to raise their rates again. Uh, at what point is it a break off? Right now, uh, they're currently fifteen forty nine a month for their two streams, no ads, and the premium tier, which is four, is nineteen ninety nine a month. They eliminated the basics, but they're about to go up, and all they say is the price hikes are going to take it another you know ten fifteen percent up. So at what point is that too much? If you've been with this group since, and I was from the very beginning, that the old three discs at a time. Remember we had the story last week that they were mailing their last disc last Friday. Yeah, it was just the other day. Yeah, yeah, last Friday, and I think it, at the time it was six ninety nine or something, and you could have three at one time. And we wore that thing out now, uh, and now of course with everything being streaming, it's a little bit simpler. But they're about to raise that rate again. So if you're a Netflix customer, you're going to probably have to ask yourself, or, or how many different streaming services do you have? At what point? You cut those back. Uh, Scott, are you a subscriber to the Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN? We have Disney Plus and ESPN, yes. Okay. All right. So you've got those. So you've got that. You've got Netflix. What else do you subscribe streaming? And we have Cox Cable, too. There you go. All right. So we have HBO Max. We bought that. We have YouTube TV. We have that. We have Netflix. And we have the Disney, uh, Hulu, you know, ESPN all together as well. When you add all that up, there are times at which, because let's let's be honest, cable kind of got out of out of line at some point. But there was a time at which those together might add up to that. Not anymore. So they're still a little bit less than that, but they continue to rise. When I first signed up for YouTube TV, it was fifty bucks. Now it's almost seventy. So it continues to go up, and Netflix is about to go up as well. All right. So what else? Uh, well, how about this? Uh, I didn't even know this was a thing. Did you know that it was a thing around America to, um, shall we say, control one's figure with laxatives? Can't say that I did, no. Yeah, well, I I know that there have, I have heard of this in the past, but apparently it is so popular now that it's getting hard to find laxatives. Yeah, um... All I'm going to tell you is if you're looking and you got a problem, you might have to go the route with your doctor so you can get prescription because apparently it's it's pretty solid right now. Oh, pardon me. That was not a pun. I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, for, uh, for weight loss. And let's uh, 
just telling you, if next time you go, if there's not a lot there, that might be the reason I've never considered such. Let's follow that with a food story. What do you think the best food cities in America are, Scott File? The ones who don't want to immediately take a laxative after dinner. Uh, I guess we'll go with the we'll go with the the you know the obvious ones here. We'll go New York City. Chicago. You know, you would think so, wouldn't you? You would think so. And right off the bat, I am shocked by the top five. Number one, Orlando. Orlando? I have been to Orlando a lot to broadcast games for vacations to visit. Blah blah blah. I don't remember ever having a meal in Orlando. Oh, okay, it's not true. There's a little Cuban restaurant out on um, 528 just after it, a meal, probably five, six miles outside Disney World going back toward Kissimmee where they don't speak much English and you point at the menu items, and it's fantastic. But I don't remember anything else there in Orlando that ever really lit me up. Now, you know, you're not going to get that at a theme park, certainly. A lot of chains there, of course, as you can imagine, but that's all I can really think of. Number two, Portland. All right, they do have some... They do have some good individual things there. Number three, Sacramento, California. Don't understand that at all. Number four, Miami. Well, I get that partially for the seafood. Yeah, and, and, and the, the Cuban food. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love good Cuban. And then number five, San Francisco. Uh, Tampa then comes in at six. San There's Diego. A lot of Florida. I know. Cities on there. San Diego, Vegas, Austin. I see that. And then Seattle, where we just were with Tulsa a couple of weeks ago. If you're wondering, okay, where did Oklahoma uh, cities rank? Do you think Tulsa ranked as a better food city or Oklahoma City? I'm going to be biased and say Tulsa. You're right. And not only it wasn't close, Tulsa ranked 60th and Oklahoma City 73rd, despite the fact they are larger than we are. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, there are others who now believe that uh, Taylor Swift is nothing more than a conspiracy. I have others to back you up, Scott File, who believe you are absolutely <laughs> correct. They believe it's all done there by the NFL. As a matter of fact, there's one that believe that this has nothing to do with anything other than some ticket sales and to try to promote the concert, just as you have her concert series, which I don't understand you do have to promote because, I mean, she broke the Internet when they went on sale to begin with. So I don't think that was really a big deal. Yeah, but other than, uh, is it NBC and Peacock? Somebody is affiliated with who's Mm -hmm. producing the film, so that kind of makes sense. Well, there's just one more to just let you know it's out there. Oh, by the way, the mayor in Minneapolis is now asking her to come to the game there. Of course he is. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, he has been all on board about asking her to go to the game there. The Taylor Swift effect continues. At 7 o'clock, time for us to welcome, as we do on Wednesdays, to our microphones and our hotline, Josh Blankenship, head football coach at Broken Arrow, coming off a tough loss, 28-14 against the folks over at uh, Norman North. Uh, First of all, Josh, this one was one that it was 21-0 in the first quarter, Norman North. You guys come back to score 14 in the second quarter to make this a close game again. Describe that opening quarter for me and then what you guys did to get back in in the second quarter. Oh, the, the opener, uh, Norm North was ready to go and we weren't, um, you know, some pretty unsound things that we did, uh, especially on defense, just right out the gate. Um, I think their first drive, uh, we kicked off to them and their first drive, I think maybe it was like a three or four play drive with the bulk of it coming on a, just a zone read by the quarterback. And we played it very, very poorly. And, uh, he, he, he can take off and run with it as we knew. And, uh, he took a big chunk down. And uh, they ended up getting it in. We muffed a kickoff. We let a ball hit the ground um, and then bounce weird. And then they were able to recover it. And uh, so it was 21-0 uh, very quickly with some pretty poor play on our part. 
uh, we finally settled down and started playing football. And uh, obviously, you know, getting 14 on the board before half, we felt pretty good going into halftime. You know, and you've talked before about this being a scrappy group, but it is a young group. So a lot of that um, that that bust and that early is that just a young group, you're not ready that night, not understanding how to get ready that night. Is that just part of youth, Josh? Oh, you know, it's it's just a it's an individual kid by kid basis, you know. But I think generically, it's it's youth and experience, uh, learning how to start a game, be ready to start a game uh, right out the gate. Um, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things, but we honestly settled down uh, pretty quickly after that. Played probably one of our better defensive games um, against a really, really good Norman North offense and, and really good Norman North team. I mean, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to know who's better than they are on the west side, to be honest with you. Uh, Westmore, who we're getting ready to see, is very, very dangerous. But as far as, um, you know, uh, talent across the board, all phases, uh, Norman North was very impressive. Yeah, you only seven points you gave up the rest of the way. Unfortunately, couldn't score in that in that uh, second half. So then you got to where I think you probably figured you should be overall. When you look back at this one, you can certainly point it. All right, guys, here's what happened in the first quarter, and then from that point on, you actually won the game fourteen seven. So what do you take away from this? How do you? What's the teaching tool from this part, Josh? You know, our guys have really done a good job of being focused on uh, just getting getting better every single time we get out there on the field. You know, um, we've had another great week of practice. Um, the guys, as crushed as they are by um, not winning, by losing the game, right after the game, they're doing a great job, especially, you know, here we are getting ready to play a Thursday game, having to turn the page very quickly to get uh, to get moved on to the next one. Um, so, I mean, there's a ton of teaching. It's not a, you know, there's not moral victories, but you're, you know, what we're really looking for is, is are we – are we getting better? Are we competing? I mean, obviously we've talked about how young we are, but then we, you know, we've been decimated by injuries too. So we've, um, you know, it feels like we're even younger at some spots than, than is possible. Um, you know, but the guys are really focused in staying coachable, um, still very, very hungry and uh, eager to travel over the West side, see if we can get one this week. Is it harder sometimes to give those lessons of, look, I know that we haven't reflected it on the scoreboard, but we are getting better uh, as you know, I, I know it's when it's, it's tough when they're young, I get that, but there you're going to see it in some eyes. And I'm sure, as you said, in some cases, it's an individual basis. How do you get that to be more widespread coach? It really just is, and uh, part of it's that, you know, there's not, uh, um, you know, such a long-term vision or such a big picture that the week-to-week is lost on us. I mean, we still um, are geeked up to go play a game every week and, and uh, put a plan together and put a work a week or a week of work together where we feel like we're about to go win a game. So, um, I mean, they're hyper-focused on beating Westmore this week. Um, you know, getting better is just part of the process, you know, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and it's something, uh, you know, that they've really become, it's become a little bit of our culture, um, you know, that we're going to be playing our best football come playoffs. Um, and those kids are committed to that. Well, and then, you know, we'll obviously have any problems getting their attention, not only for a Thursday, but a Westmore team that just came down here and beat Jinx. I'm sure you've looked at that, 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 um, that film and others. What are you seeing from Westmore? Uh, an unbelievably uh, athletic uh, group, uh, both sides of the ball. Uh, their O-line and D-line is, is absolutely huge. Um, and then they've got some really, really, in addition to all their athletes, they've got a couple of special kids uh, playing quarterback and receiver. Um, and then on the other side, they both play some DB. 
Um, I think one's going to Houston and one's going to OU, um, you know, and they, they really funnel everything around those guys and try to do everything through those guys, which they should. They're very, very dynamic. They are, yeah. They're, you know, and and at coming off what they that win that they had against Jinx, probably also kind of flying a little bit high. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, there's there's nothing that that can uh, substitute for swagger of mm-hmm. of a big win and uh, the confidence that that uh, that breeds within your team and and the belief of what you're doing and what in what you're doing. Um, so I'm sure we'll get a very, very confident group. Um, you know, if they can go into Jinx and beat those guys, I'm sure they're going to feel pretty good at home. Yeah, and I've asked you this before, but when it comes to road trips, it becomes kind of a not a big deal, I guess, middle of the year. But we are in that grinding part of the season. You guys are trying to get a win. Is a Thursday road trip any harder? Uh, I think I think if you can keep your routine um, as much as routine as possible, as much as you prep up to that. Uh, I don't think it's a Thursday is a huge deal. I mean, both teams are prepping for Thursday, so there's one advantage for the other. Um, I think going over the West I did you know, this will be our first long road trip. All our away games at this point have been, you know, the suburban schools. Um, so going across the other side, that'll be new. And uh, I, I don't take that lightly. I think I think learning how to travel is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And with a young group, it's always even a little bit more exciting. Well, we'll talk to you next week and see how it goes. We'll let you get back to coaching your football team. Thanks, Josh. All right, guys. Thank you. You betcha. It's Josh Blankenship, head football coach at Broken Arrow at 707 here on the Blitz 1170. You know, we've got some high school football coming up here on Thursday night. So tomorrow night, Jinx at Norman North. They're going down the turnpike as well. That game is going to be at 630 pregame right here on the Blitz 1170, and it'll be a 7 o'clock kickoff. Then on Friday, we've got Oklahoma State's pregame at 430 here with a 630 kickoff against Kansas State. Then on Saturday, oh, listen to this. We have Alabama-Texas A&M at 2 o'clock on Saturday. That's a big game. Then on Sunday, a doubleheader, Saints-New England at 11.30, and then the Cowboys in San Francisco at 6 o'clock Sunday night, all here on the Blitz 1170. Speaking of the Cowboys, we've got a way for you to go see them on Thanksgiving. Would you like to win tickets to see the Cowboys play the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving? All you have to do is go out and see Pop and Colby when they do the show tomorrow out at River Spirit Casino at Scoreboard Sports Bar. Go out there between 3 and 6. You'll have a way to register. There's a QR code out there. You'll be able to register to win not only tickets to the Cowboys and Washington on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, but also $500 spending cash. It's all part of what we do right here, and you can get more details at theblitztulsa.com. 708 on the Blitz 1170. There's a man in my studio. What the world happened here? Oh, it's Mike Malega. It's the general manager of the Tulsa Drillers, the still in Tulsa Tulsa Drillers. I think a lot of us went, what? Yesterday when we heard they're being sold, we'll get details from the man himself next here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.